You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to the Concession Stand. I am your host, Nick Howell, and this is episode number 30. Wow. With me as always, 30 times now, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm good. My favorite number 30 of all time, I guess not of all time, but probably the most respected number 30 would be in hockey. Imagine that. Yeah. Martin Martin Brodeur, (laughs) who used to play for the New Jersey Devils and ended his career in the St. Louis Blues, arguably one of the greatest hockey goalies that ever lived, holds a ton of records. Uh, I will give him a Stone Cold salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. Well, I missed you last week, man. I, I know. We we, we we had to take a break. We did. Unfortunately, there were some work and scheduling conflicts and all of that kind of stuff. And by the time we got around to doing it, it just we realized that, man, we've been at this 29 straight weeks. That's that's pretty impressive that we pulled that off without any kind of break. And uh, I just want to say that I'm proud of us for making it that far without oh, a break. For sure. And uh, maybe we needed the break off to kind of uh, do some things and come back big for yeah, episode 30. We didn't want to, but as uh, Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park, sometimes life finds a way. And in this case, it found a way to get in the way of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so here we are. We're back. Uh, we have plenty to talk about. I'm excited to get right into it. Absolutely. So we had a couple of big milestones that we're going to save for the video game session to talk yep. about in depth. But uh, we had the Mass Effect launch happen this week, yep. which was a big deal. Mass Effect Andromeda, to be clear. Uh, we also finally... Finally got an official Destiny 2 announcement and release date, I believe. Yeah, so we got the the really cool video, uh, the the Cade 6 thing with our old friend Nathan Fillion from Taco Bell. Yes. And uh, there's going to be a big uh, trailer that's going to come out uh, tomorrow, Friday. And uh, we we also got the the Age of Triumph thing, the sort of like swan song thing that we talked about with Destiny that started this week as well. Yes. We will talk about that in detail in a little bit. Um. So I uh, I had something that I wanted to talk about. Maybe this is more apropos for TV and movies, but I thought I would open the show with it. Um, I've kind of quit watching TV. Really? This is a weird thing that I've been going through, and frankly, because it it's all shit. Okay. I mean, there there's I mean, there's certainly shows like This Is Us that is absolutely going to wipe the floor with the Emmys this year. Okay. Big ensemble stuff like that. Um, but that's. That's kind of it. I watch a bunch of reality like WWE and Gordon Ramsay shows. Yeah. But there's nothing really on that's that compelling to me. So what I've been doing is watching uh, using the YouTube app on the Apple TV and the Facebook app that's on there now and just watching a lot of, of user videos. And I find that I'm more engrossed and drawn in to watching stuff like that now. So if if you haven't really... I know the YouTube app is a bit of a mess on yeah. the Apple TV. It's hard to find. But you can go in and just watch the trending videos um, much like you can on the website. Give that a shot. Throw it up on your Apple TV. Watch what's relevant that day because it gives you a lot of relevant stuff that's going on uh, in date and time throughout the week. Yeah, I found since I've cut the cord that I watch less TV as well. Yeah. Um, my wife and I still watch The Flash as much as we can. Uh, we really enjoy that show. 
And for the nerds or geeks that are on uh, our listenership, if you will, uh, that's a fantastic show. We're also going to get into Arrow, but yeah, we, we're we're still behind. We're probably seven episodes from behind the the, the current you know uh, uh, episode that's on TV. So um, yeah, we when we get our time to watch stuff, and we're kind of in that like sort of like lull of TV right now. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have May sweeps for all the big shows that people watch. That's coming up in a month. Um, but I mean, let's be honest. We're really looking forward to Game of Thrones at this point, oh, of right? Course. Uh, Gotham coming back yep. and, and shows yep. like that. Absolutely. Uh, the next couple of months, we should get more information on that. Uh, a couple of other things, real quick. Um, I finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh wow! Um, I have that, not. I have not. That is that is going to go down as one of the best video games I've ever played. Wow. Okay. And it it lives up to all of the hype and all of the reviews. The mechanics are insane. The environment and the story is absolutely compelling. Trust me, if you've only played the first couple of hours of it, finish it because it goes to a place that you do not see coming, and I'm going to leave it at that. I've heard that, uh, but there's these other games that are you know that we've talked about this time of year. Yes, that are that are splitting my my video game time. <laughs> uh, the other little milestone that happened in the last couple of weeks was I hit gold season four in uh, Overwatch ranked oh, play. Right on. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was very exciting to finally get there. Um, that's the highest that I got last season. So I'm going to see if I can maybe get up to platinum or whatever the next tier is. Ooh. We'll see. How hey, about yourself? What, uh, did you do anything fun? We've had a couple weeks off, but uh, since the last show, my family and I went opening weekend to see Beauty and the Beast, uh, and we absolutely loved it. It it delivered exactly what we wanted. It had all the songs, had all the the the. They they took a couple of liberties, but nothing that like made it any different than the the cartoon that we all love. All the music was there. All the characters were there. Uh, Ewan McGregor was great as Lumiere, and uh, Ian McKellen was great as Cogsworth the Clock. Nice. Uh, the guy that played Beast, I believe his name is Dan Stevens, did a really good job. Uh, he has an incredible singing voice. They had a new song that the Beast sang that was in the movie. That cool. It sounds very Josh Groban-esque. Esque, but uh, you know, my wife cried I think sixteen times just from the music. She <laughs> she gets very uh, emotionally uh, um, charged when really Aww. big music hits, and of course, she's very you know um, in tune with that stuff. And the girls just absolutely loved it. So we had a great time seeing Beauty and the Beast. And apparently, we weren't the only ones. Let's get into some TV and movies. So Beauty and the Beast is absolutely crushing it right now. Shocker! Uh, imagine that. But to a level that I honestly did not expect, it's almost already grossed a billion dollars. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the numbers we've got as of Sunday, uh, I'll, I'll say this. So this is two weekends now uh, at the box office, $326 million domestic. Yep. And another $384 million for foreign box office, totaling $710 million worldwide in two weeks. Yeah, and get this. I mean, those are Rogue One numbers. Of course, and get this. Guess what starts this week for most kids? What? Spring break. Oh. So it's just going to go up even more. Uh, and it's good, and it's great, and why not go see it? It's Yeah, it's... It, they're just going to print money. The yeah. more of these animated movies they make, what are there, like 15 of them coming or something like that? I think I heard 19 is a number, uh, 15, 19, something like that. Uh, this just validates that they are going to be box office successes. So, I mean, Pocahontas, Bambi, Cinderella, I mean, all of the, they've already done Cinderella, but I, I could see them redoing it again. We've talked about the Lion King coming yeah. back, Mulan's coming. Like, it's, it's, and, and the funny thing is, it's like they don't, 
yes, we complain about the reboots and the original property stuff, but it's like if you've got that stuff in your sort of like vault of things, go ahead and make the live action version because there hasn't been one that really failed yet. You could argue Pete's Dragon, but critically, the reviewers, which we'll get into a little bit and into the show, they loved Pete's Dragon. I still haven't watched it yet. It's on Netflix now. I, I did see that see the that. other day. Yeah, I not watched it, but I saw that it was on Netflix. Yeah. And I definitely added it to my queue there. So there's some sort of new review system. Remember when you used to like go through all the movies that you'd seen on Netflix and you'd do like a one, two, three, four, or five stars. They've simplified it. Yeah, so I do this after I watch every movie on Netflix. I'll rate it. Really? You know? Yeah. It's the You basically, it, there's an option on the left that says rate this film, rate this thing, and I click on it and give it three, four, five stars or you know one star if it's effing terrible. Um, but I've, I've participated in that for going on 10 years now probably since I've been a Netflix subscriber. I really like this move. Basically, what they're doing is they're removing the five stars yep. and just simplifying it down to a YouTube or Facebook caliber thumb like, up, thumb like down. Like or dislike, Like right? or dislike. Sure. Um, the reason is, is that they found, from what I understand, they found people weren't engaging with it, that people weren't using it, and it didn't really determine uh, whether or not they watched something, which I, th- I found was interesting. Okay. Um, the problem with it is, is, it is it's filtering search results because people only want to see five-star films or something like that. So it could be completely subjective to other things, which is an interesting point that I think we'll talk touch on again later sure, as well. But, but the other thing is, if you like something, yep. they will then give you, like, if you like this movie, you might like this. And sure. like when, you're, when you're Netflix... Things you could watch come up. I'm sure that's part of it, too. Or right? there's another thing that's movies liked by friends. Right. So they know okay. who, if you log in as fa- with Facebook, it knows who all your Facebook friends are, and it's going to you know see what they've liked and recommend those to you as well. So it's all integrated now with uh, that stuff, and I think that's that's fine. I, I, I would love to see what movies Andy Nelson or Chris or Glenn or anybody has watched uh, that they've liked, that they've thumbed up, because that might give me my own cue of things to work through. Sure. Uh, some other notables here. Uh, I just want to call these dates out because one, you've worked on them, and one of them, and it's, we're really excited about it, is uh, Bill Nye's. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the title of it? Uh, Bill Nye Saves the World. Saves the World. That's right. Uh, debuting on April 21st. I, yeah. That's one of that and Deadliest Catch and other, you know, me and my reality shows. I, I'm really looking forward to that one, adding that one to my list. I think you're really going to like this show. Oh, that's, from I, everything I, that I hear. Oh, man. It's, it's awesome. really good. I can't, wait to, I can't wait for people to see it. It's so good. Uh, what was the, there's the scientist chick that I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, the space, Emily Cantonelli. Yep. Cardinelli, I yep, think. Yeah, she's name? one of the reporters on it. She's yeah. a really cool girl, and she's really sharp, and she's got some really cool stuff that uh, they bring in uh, these reporters that will then go out in the field and actually go look at it, and then they, they sit down with Bill and they talk to him about what they found, and then Bill goes to another table and talks to like a, a three panelists about that same topic. So it's it's not just him being like, hey, look what happens when you mix uh, vinegar and baking soda. Like he, he's there to like <laughs> talk about, but it's, and it's not geared towards kids. It's a very adult themed thing, which is really cool. So again, we're three weeks away from that. It just happens to drop on Earth Day. Science! Um, but yeah. The other thing that's uh, that's coming, again, we talked about May Sweeps, House of Cards. I still have never watched any of it. I know people love this show. That's coming May 30th. I know that's weeks away from I when we're totally recording I am totally going to drop in a Vince McMahon. You're fired! <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> no, that is, you seriously should. That is one of the best TV shows right up there, I would say, with Game of Thrones. Is, like That is, especially the first two seasons. Um, it goes a little wonky after that, but you know, the first season, especially of House of Cards, is fantastic. The fourth wall breaking uh, that he does where he talks directly to the camera is is some of Kevin Spacey's best work. Nice. But yeah, we get that on May 30th, it uh, yeah. looks like. You actually texted me today while yes. I was working 
you said, hey, man, I signed up for like a, I did a survey to sign up for a Hulu Live beta. Yes. And we talked about the whole Hulu Live thing that's going to eventually compete with with our DirecTV Now or potentially the YouTube Live thing that's coming that we've talked about as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's real simple. So if you want to be a part of the Hulu Live beta program, it's very simple. Just type in like Hulu Live beta program and there's like a, a link to a Hulu site. It's like they talk to you about the Hulu experience and then you could do like a uh, a survey that asks you questions like, which of these devices do you have in your house? Which of these programs do you watch? How much streaming stuff do you? And and maybe, if we're lucky, we get to be a part of this beta program and get to try it out before everybody else does. Yeah. And this is not just you and I because we do a podcast. This is anybody. Yeah. No, this is... And they even asked on there, Do you are you signing up for this beta as some form of yeah. media correspondence? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no not no, at no, all. No, no. no. What's your user ID then? Uh, here it is. So yeah. uh, It was legit. And then they even asked us what our Apple ID was so that they could present us with a new version of the app yeah that would be have that content in it so I, i'm excited i don't think there's any reason that someone like me or you shouldn't be included in that beta where you I, probably have a better shot at it i consider you, myself an extreme power exactly, user of hulu exactly they'll see your email address and be like this guy watches stuff all the time Holy shit he's on there every day yeah okay yeah let him and do he it. just watches wrestling replays <laughs> wrestling and gordon ramsay shows that's and, all he wants and uh, amy's dumb bachelor stories right or oh, whatever god. god i'm i'm gonna be in trouble with my wife <laughs> Sorry, Amy. Uh, love Not you. really. Love you. Uh, but I'm very excited about Hulu. So the bigger story there is that there is a this trend right now. We've we've gotten the cord cutting under control. Everybody's got their platforms out there. The next great frontier to tackle is live TV, yep. but in a streaming fashion. I liked how in that that survey they also asked us if we liked live sports. I was yes. like, oh yes, I do. Oh yes. So apparently they are going to have. Well, you can't have sports without ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports and Go Fox potentially. Sports. You know, like yeah. who knows? So if Do they get watch- the Fox Sports yeah. West and all of those like sub channels of yeah. Fox Sports, yeah. you've got me. I'm hooked. It's all speculation on our part at this point, but uh, they they know what we want, and they've watched all these other companies come out and do their thing, and I think they're going to try and figure out a way to beat it. Yep, I do too. And the leg up that they have is the content library that you also yes. get yes. included for the same price that you pay for DirecTV now. Hello. So, and what uh, allegedly YouTube is going to charge for their live service. So, and they're going to have DVR functionality. All of these other things. So, watch out for Hulu, guys. If you're not a subscriber, I would get on board now for the $12 no commercial mm-hmm. version. Get it out there uh, and just learn your way and get familiar with Hulu because that, it to me... That is the vision for TV of the future. Yeah. Uh, the, the traditional cable boxes are going to go away. I don't think direct TV is going to really pull it off outside of their existing subscriber base. Yep. Uh, I really see Hulu being the com- combination of a content library and a live feed all in one. I think uh, as a direct TV now subscriber, which I know you are as well, I think the one thing they're missing that would let them compete is the DVR function. Yes. They're the only one that doesn't have that. And that's I've, a big deal. I've actually tried to go back and watch DirecTV a few times. The commercials instantly run me off. And that's that's the interesting part. So once you've cut the cord for so long, as I have, it's very, very hard to go back to watching live TV. And I don't know that outside of a sporting event, national sporting event that I want to see, something like March Madness or NFL football along those lines, I don't know that I would sit and watch TV live anymore. I would wait till the next day because I'm already so conditioned to do that. Yeah. So anyway, give Hulu a shot. It's it's really worth it. You guys, if you've been listening, you've heard me rant and rave about Hulu. I, I'm a huge fan of it, and uh, I can't wait to get a hold of the beta, assuming they give it to me uh, so I can tell you guys all about it and how amazing it is. So here's an idea. We kind of talked about this in one of our uh, previous uh, episodes 
where we wondered, like, we speculated on what the studios might do as far as, like, releasing Mm -hmm. movies early. Apparently, these talks are real. The studios community and the theater chains are, like, sort of, like, already talking about the idea that we were talking about. With the dwindling DVD market, then uh, usually these movies come, like, to... To iTunes or whatever, like 90 days before, yep. before the Blu-rays or whatever that, and we talked about all this stuff. They are now talking about what we talked about of kind of a dual release of theater movies and like the digital thing at the same time, right? Yep. They took our damn... No, they copied our <laughs> idea. You know, they, they must be listeners. They're all listening to the concession stand. Um, so basically, here's what's happening. It went away for a while, I guess, over the holiday season, and it's it's respawned. And now that all of these live services, these streaming services are resurfacing, people are starting to take streaming seriously again. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how this has come full circle to now. In the beginning, it was just like Spielberg and Ron Howard, and they were trying to get it done. Well, now the actual studio heads are all having these like secret clandestine meetings with the theaters and distribution <laughs> companies, right? Like, how do we get? How do we do this? Um, one of the big things that stood out to me was that one of their reasons for wanting to do it was not to get the film or the content into the hands of the viewer sooner. It was to capitalize on all of the marketing that goes right. into the into the right. theatrical release and get more run run room out of it. I see what um, you're saying out of that, right? So that they don't have to do a completely separate campaign for the three, to, three to six months down the road exactly. for when the the. All new on DVD and stream, you know. Yeah, it's Doctor Strange. Digital download, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. They could just have all the same stuff at the same time. Now, here's what they're touting. They want to do an early release, allegedly within the same month, from what I what I understand, for $50 to iTunes. Or uh, they all they said was iTunes, not any other. So they specifically called out iTunes. But they said 50 bucks, And that kind of hit me like, it's a bit much. Yep, yep. Or I you- mean, if, to be real, I already pay base price for a prime time is like $17 if we go to the local AMC. Sure. Right? Put matinees aside for a minute. Let's talk realistic. Yeah. But if you do 3D and IMAX, it ends up adding on another 5 to $10, depending on where you go. So you're already in it for 25 maybe 26 bucks To see it at home on my 60-inch with my little sound bar for $50? Depends if you own it, like that. That might be you worth don't it. own it. It's a rental. Then forget it. No, yeah. if I own it for fifty bucks, which would be the essentially the cost of me going to see it in a theater and then buying the thirty dollar Blu Ray or the twenty dollar iTunes movie, if yeah. I can get it right away, that might be worth it. Like if you could, if you could go see Rogue One and then come home and, and have a f- digital copy waiting yeah. in your iTunes. Yeah, I'm on. I, I would do yeah, that. I would totally. do that. I would do that. I would totally do that. I, I think that's the right way to look at it. But from what they said, this was they want to release an early release rental. I'm assuming that would have a 24-hour or a three-day weekend or something like that uh, expiration date on sure. it. To me, that just I, I can't make that math work. I can't no. make. I get for a family of four. Sure, it might. If you told me, if you told like if you told me, I could. I could watch Beauty and the Beast at home over this 24-hour period for 50 bucks and not go spend for four tickets and all the concessions. I would consider that. Are you? Would you be okay disclosing what you spent to go see Beauty and the Beast with your two girls and your wife? Uh, I got lucky. Okay. Um, uh, I was able to use some tricks from being in the industry, and it cost 20 bucks for the four tickets. But then when you add in the popcorn and the drinks and all that stuff, it probably ended up being like 50, 60 bucks. Okay. But we... Did a matinee thing. If we had gone at night, which you don't tip, nobody takes their kids to see like a. Uh, yeah, you're not a, going a night- at eight o'clock right. to see a two hour film, right? Exactly, with kids. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> everybody in the theater will hate you when they're screaming. Right. 
Hey, we finally got a second trailer for Spider-Man uh, coming in July 17th. Uh, it looks awesome. It looks awesome, but it, it was kind of... Was it useful? It was kind of the same trailer? Yeah, they just had a couple of extra shots. Michael Keaton talks a little bit more, and we, we see a couple of other things. It, it, I, I don't like the fact that they might have ruined a couple of the big set pieces, like him uh, webbing and pulling the ship together, and Iron Man shows up to push the big like freighter together, like in the water or whatever. Yeah. Looks great. I mean... I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, me too. I think it could be really good. I think it'll be a sneak hit this summer. Um, I think it could potentially be the summer movie. It, it could make a bunch of money. It, I think it, you're absolutely right. It it crosses all demographics. It crosses every pulls on everybody's heartstrings. We all love Spidey, and you know it's got a it's got Michael Keaton and Marissa Tomei. I mean, there's really no missteps here. Oh, and it's got Tony Stark and Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> done. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm in. I know we talked about Netflix a little bit earlier. Did you get a chance to watch the new Chappelle comedy stuff on there? I did. I watched the first one. I haven't finished the second one yet. Man, it's so good to have him back. I'm I'm a little hesitant to even bring these up because they're so new. I don't want to spoil anything for people, so I want to be very careful about what I say here. Just see it. Just watch them because it is everything that you loved Dave Chappelle for 10 years ago Yep. Uh, between his comedy specials and the Chappelle show. And what I will say is that uh, he's still able to push the boundaries of discrimination and controversy yeah. by doing what he does, like making light of them and basing it all in realism yes. in this sense of just it, – it's easy how he just levels everything off. He and, he's, just, and he's very self-deprecating of himself. Oh, yeah. Talks about – well, I'm not even going to ruin it. Yeah. Never mind. Watch them. And don't don't miss the fact that it's, it's set up like a TV show on yep. Netflix. There's two episodes. Yep. So you don't miss it. Don't think it's just one. When you go into it, make sure you watch both of them because they're both unique and they're both in different cities, different crowds, and it's different and unique material. Can we agree that Netflix is just killing it with comedy right now? Like, remember when HBO used to be like HBO stand up? Oh, like yeah. The thing, like that's Car right. Like there'd be a Carlin one every couple of years and like there'd be a Robin Williams one every now and then. And now it is just Netflix. I mean, Louis C.K. is coming soon, right? For to Netflix. I, I'm pretty sure he just announced this week he's got one coming. All of the big name comics. I mean, Eliza Schlesinger probably had the most in the last two to three years i think she's got like four or five specials up there now yeah gaffigan's been on there yeah. aziz and sorry's been on there pat oswalt did one for them i yep. mean all the big name comics like you just said are all on netflix now so that, i think that is probably the because they make it really easy to film and produce and I, I think they go to the comics and they get it the comics get an ep credit um, because they're giving them a percentage of the take or something like that just to film it and put it up on Netflix. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I just did a, a young and up-and-coming stand-up thing with like three young comedians. For Netflix? I, yeah, for Netflix. Oh, man. It's, it's I love that they're doing all these stand-ups. Yeah, it's great. And, we, you know, you and I are both such huge fans of stand-up. Yeah. Wait, wait, you hear that? Is it? All aboard! That was hack trains leaving the station, all aboard! No way is that thing back again. How is that possible? Oh, my God. <laughs> Star Wars hype train just never seems to go away, does it? it? It's not going to. It is going to be here for with us for the rest of the year, I imagine, and then some. And it's not just the Episode 8 hype train anymore. No, we're not even going to talk about Episode 8 this week that I know of. Maybe one little thing, but uh, we're getting some more info on the Han Solo, uh, Solo movie. Yeah. Uh, Good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Apparently, it's going to rock. Uh, from everything that I'm hearing, from everything that we're the industry people that are dropping little nuggets and tidbits about how, oh my God, it's so awesome. Uh, it's going to be as good, if not better, than Rogue One. 
Oh. Uh, we're hearing a lot of great. It's a, but it's a completely different kind of movie. I heard that his name might not actually be Han Solo. Did you hear this? Really? Yes. No. Yes, he may okay. have changed his name to Han Solo. All right. We'll find out. Uh, in other news, Obi Wan Kenobi, and I thought this was an interesting twist. Um, because we always think of Luke Skywalker as the predominant center of the Star Wars universe. He's universe. the chosen one, right? The ch- I don't know. Is we he? We don't know. We don't know that. However, who has been the one staple that has been in every piece of Star Wars canon, all of all seven films now? R2-D2 and C-3PO. Okay, besides... Were they in episode one? <laughs> yep. They were? Okay. Uh, yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. He has... I would say picked that franchise up and just carried it on his shoulders and has been a pivotal part of every single film. And even going back to Clone Wars and now Rebels, now that yep. he's made a reappearance. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it does do a little bit of a twist at the end of the fight between Darth Maul, and, Darth Maul. and Obi-Wan. So be sure you watch that if you've been watching Rebels. Otherwise, look it up on the internet if you don't care. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting that I read this piece this week that he is really the center of the universe. And I had never really had that thought before. I was like, oh, man, they're right. There's all this speculation that they have not announced Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan in a later Obi-Wan movie because he would now be old enough to do it because we're going to find out something in episode eight or nine that would relate to Obi-Wan. Maybe raise his daughter or maybe so. I don't know. But there's a reason that Obi-Wan movie hasn't been announced because... Why would Disney not be like, yeah, we totally are going to make an Obi-Wan movie. And people are yeah, like, yeah, hey. it was like 20 years he was on Tatooine waiting for Luke to yeah. show up. And apparently there was, I will spoil this one thing. Uh, in Rebels, there apparently was a little bit where they saw tiny young Luke Skywalker running across the sands of Tatooine. That's cool. And I was just like, oh. But don't you moments. don't you want to see like the Obi-Wan movie in between like uh, episode three and four Hell where yeah. he's just sitting on a rocking chair and Tatooine just waiting. Put Star Wars waiting. on him. Yeah, just waiting for just That's waiting. For, it. It's two hours of him just in a rocking chair, like sipping lemonade, <laughs> just waiting for Luke Skywalker to grow up. No, is this kid ever going to show up? God, I got his lightsaber. Damn, Tuscan Raiders won't quit robbing oh, my store. Jeez, get off my lawn. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi in. Get off my lawn. That's funny. <laughs> get off my beach. Never. Okay, we took that too far. We did. Uh, all right. So here's an interesting little nugget. Uh, the Vader scene at the end of Rogue One. The best scene of the movie. The best scene of the movie was not originally there. I know. I didn't know this. This came out because like they have to put out some news nuggets to right. sell the Rogue One DVDs. Here it comes. Because the DVD isn't even out yet. Just for the digital release, it's like, we got to talk to Gareth Edwards about some other stuff that we didn't know about Rogue One because we've got to get this information out. We found out this week that it was an editor who made the suggestion that we needed, quote, a little more Vader in Rogue One. And don't we all need a little more Vader Everybody in our lives? needs a little more Vader. Yeah. Uh, so they took that to heart, re- went back to the writers, worked it out, uh, and the writers have openly admitted that they didn't write this scene in. This was all done in four months before the release of the film. I want to put that in perspective. They hadn't shot it. Before four months, wow! Before the release, the, the before you could sit in yeah, the theater. Yeah, so they and watch shot it. it last August. They shot it in a weekend. They threw it. They edited it. I'm assuming there was a ton of VFX and wire workers stuff in there for throwing the guys around sure. and the saber and, and all and the melting of the door and all that stuff. Pretty easy to build that hallway though, like anywhere. <laughs> right. You build it in like my garage. I mean, they already had it at Lucasfilm, probably right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, the point is, is that what I take away from that is it is. 
easy to pivot and do stuff now in today's filmmaking world between the VFX, uh, the VR cameras we talked about last episode that Gareth Edwards got to use, which sounds awesome. It's almost like directing a video game in yep. a weird world. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really cool. And it tur- how proud does that editor have to be? Um, what was his name? I can't remember his name now. I thought I'd written it down. But anyway, how proud does he have to be that he is indirectly or directly responsible for the Vader scene at the end, which is said by everybody, even the writers of yeah. Rogue One have yeah. said it's their favorite part of the film. And it's honestly, it's like the first time we got to see Vader be somebody, except in like the Force Unleashed video game. Like right. we got to see Vader be Vader for the first time ever and potentially the only time. Unless they make that Vader movie we speculated on. Uh, I think they might. Uh, One last little thing here. Uh, Somebody did finally cut together the end of Rogue One and the beginning of Episode 4. And it's out there on Vimeo if you search for it. They're giving this guy so much credit, but all he did was do a fade between like the end of Rogue One. It's the pan downs in space. It's not. It's it's not like a genius did this, right? I mean, it, they they aligned it so well with the with the end of Rogue One that it didn't really take much effort at all. Yeah. Hey, Robert Rodriguez is back, finally. Oh God, it's about time that guy got back to work. And guess what he's doing? He's rebooting Escape from New York. How familiar are you with that movie? Vaguely. So we're Snake Plissken. Yeah. And, and it was a John Carpenter movie. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's just you know. It was a long time ago. I've yeah. seen it, but it was a long time ago. It was really cool, and I feel like that's like a, a movie It's that it was set like in the future, which is the future now, but guy is still like New York is like a prison thing that he has to escape from, and yeah. uh, I don't know. It, it, uh, Rodriguez doing it is great, but to me, it all depends on who they get to play Snake Plissken. Hey, his name's going to be Snake Dominguez now. We'll see. We'll, is, we'll see. <laughs> Wait, it's not L.A. We've got to do Escape from L.A., and then it'll well, be we Snake even, Dominguez. We don't even talk about that movie. That movie's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. Uh, all right. Uh, I need to address the elephant in the room. Yes, yes. With we, you yes, specifically. Yes, we, we have do. not had this conversation yet. We, we have a bit but over we, text, but yes. Uh, we need to have this conversation for the listeners, because I... I need to take it to task. That Justice League trailer was fucking terrible. I agree with you, and I don't want to agree with you, but I agree with you. Uh, the The hype for this is like we're, uh, that whole week leading up, and they uh, they did it during March Madness. Like, here's a snippet of Cyborg. Here's a snippet of Wonder Woman. Here's a snippet of Batman. And then they showed us this, this like, the Justice League trailer's coming. The Justice League trailer's coming. Awesome. Hmm. Let me ask you this question. Why is it that the wealthiest man on the planet who has the best tech in the world needs to ride a freaking horse? <laughs> right through the through the Alps with like a giant fur coat and has, on and, and goggles and, and, and old goggles. He's Batman. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't need goggles. He has tech. I don't understand that. But hey, guess what? You like Aquaman? He doesn't swim. He rides on the Batmobile like a horse. What is going on with this movie? It was so out of whack. And what was is, Amy Adams doing in the trailer? We didn't even see Superman, and allegedly he's supposed to be in it, but we don't know. But the Did they whole, put her in it? But to be coy about the fact that he's not going to be in it, like, we're not going to tell him that Superman's in it. He's been in all the promotional stuff. Cavill's been all over social media. I'm in it. Right? Of course Superman's going to show up. Maybe he shows up in the black uh, Superman outfit or whatever and comes back to life, like the Return of Superman story. Whatever. But the internet world is like, oh, this looks amazing. And I'm like, really? Well, the tone's so different from Batman to Superman because they made a bunch of jokes. Remember when uh, he's like, when the Flash goes, hey, what are your powers? And Batman goes, because I'm rich. I'm rich. Yeah. <sighs> I, trust me. I want this movie to be good. It's coming out before Thanksgiving. I'm the biggest Justice League DC fan you know and a bunch of, uh, yeah. I want it to be good, but I'm really worried, especially when I see something like this. It's I- like Sucker Punch, the, the, the Justice League movie. <laughs> 
Take that, Jack Zack Snyder. Uh, so here's my thoughts on it, honestly, is it has the same look as BVS. Yeah. It, it's got that same kind of just London gray. Too dark. Northern it's England, just, just dark gray kind Superman of Superman is red, white, and blue. Wonder Woman is red, white, and blue. Batman's the only dark one, right? <sighs> I just, I want to see some color, man. I, I, I'm tired of these... Zack Snyder postmodern interpretation pieces. Show me a comic book movie. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong on this. I really do. And I'm going to see it, of course. Of course we're going to see it. But at the same time, it's just enough. I did, when, Warner Brothers, I'm, ta- I'm looking at you guys, man. When is enough enough? You guys, are, I, just because it made a billion dollars each doesn't mean they Suicide Squad and BVS were good films. They have been lauded critically across the board. I don't. Yes, we all went to see it. That doesn't mean we liked it. You got to stop at some point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to continue to make films this way. And after you see that trailer, are you surprised at all that Ben no. Affleck was like, "I don't know if I want to be Batman anymore." Oh, I didn't know that was where you're going. But yeah, right? no. To that point, right? I'm just like, yeah. Now I get it. Yeah, I do too. And the, I can probably see some influence of trying to take that style into the Batman, which is probably he probably went. Eh, all right, you guys write it then. I want my name off of it. Bye-bye. Yeah. And, and I can see that whole thing playing out. Those were probably some pretty ugly uh, pre-production meetings. Speaking of things that are playing out, we should probably talk about some video games. Oh, my God. Mass Effect. Yep. Let's talk about this first and foremost because... We're going to talk about the review process a little bit later, as you might could tell from the title, but uh, there were some initial bad reviews of this game. Quite a few. I want to just tackle this head on and say it's a Mass Effect game. It's exactly what I was expecting it to be. Long, drawn-out, exploratory, you know, very... Very big, yeah, and it's tedious, and it's 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 about exploration. That's what those games have always been about. Yes. And yes, there's story involved, and yes, you're meeting new characters, and everybody is is against it, and because of stupid, trivial things, in my opinion. Oh, the facial animations are terrible, and they rushed that game to get it out in the first mark or the first quarter. And uh, I don't like the fact that like sometimes the door doesn't open or whatever. But like, look, you're not. Walking on, like the door doesn't open, then it just goes to a white screen because the game isn't finished. The game's finished. Is it as polished as it should have been? Probably not. Yeah. But I'm still enjoying it. Yeah. I still can't wait to get home and play it. You know? I I don't know. It's it's a really good game, and it's it's not going to be Mass Effect 4. Everybody wants a, a continuation of the Shepard story, but it's not. This, it, is, a, this is the beginning of a brand new trilogy, and how cool is it that you get to go down to a planet and explore and set outposts not and create... a planet, a galaxy. Yeah, and, and create a whole new world. Yes. A whole new world. <laughs> right? But... Everybody's expecting this to be Mass Effect 4 and that like all these decisions that you make are going to have consequences like the other games. Who's to say that they won't? I don't know. I've not gotten that far into the game. You're a little bit ahead of me, but I'm, yeah. I'm a good 20 hours in and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm having I, a blast. I'm like one of those guys that like reads every single codex thing, every single, you know, I, I like walking around and like talking to people even if they have nothing to say and if even if it doesn't give me like a side quest. I just love living in that world. Yep. That's the only game. That's what we've said it for uh, forever. That's what No Man's Sky should have been. Yes, space exploration. And it's every, we've said it's everything we wanted. Uh, that Star Trek has always been the allure of the unknown. All of those elements come into play in this. 
Um, it there are some elements. Uh, it, it's a combination of alien worlds and machines. Yeah, and the aliens trying to figure out how to control the machines. Uh, this whole uh, a massive mission to leave Earth and leave the Milky Way galaxy to go to the Andromeda galaxy and discover all of these golden worlds, as they refer to them as, that can be habitable. There's uh, terraforming involved. with. It is so deep, and it is so rich with content, I don't even care how tedious the menus are to get around in, which is something people complain about. I don't even care that there are little graphics blurps that they'll fix in a matter of weeks. Fine. Everything has bugs. But this game is probably right up there with Horizon Zero Dawn. It's going to be up there with Game of the Year contention. And if you rely on... I don't think the, it'll... And I, I think you're right, but I don't think it's going to get it. But I don't yeah. think it's going to get it, ultimately. No, I, I think you know, Horizon Zero Dawn is mm, probably going to win it. Nah, Zelda will probably win it. Or, yeah, that's, that's or fair. we'll see if Red Dead 2 comes out this year. That could be a contender. Could be. Yeah. But the yes, point of this is it, it is well worth the 60 bucks. And I guarantee if you wait a couple of months, it'll probably be down to 40 or 50 bucks. Sure. And here's the thing. If, if you've never played a Mass Effect game before, this is not a Destiny or a Call of Duty. You don't run around and shoot guns at aliens all the time. Right. It's not that game. You get to do that. And you get to be tactical about it, which is pretty cool. You probably don't do it for the first good hour or two, yeah. to be honest. There's a, there's a couple of little things where you get to shoot some guns and stuff and... And you get better guns. And, and the, have you done the multiplayer? Have you done any of that? I've done a little bit of that. It's 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 like a it's like a wave thing where like waves come at you and you can level up. Sure. And then I guess, but there's stuff that you can do in the multiplayer that affects your uh, actual game itself. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. And then there's an app and like you can, yeah, it's it's, it's cool. But I mean, there it's it's really is, it's, it's a little, it's very RPG with a little bit of MMO. Yeah. So it's very kind of open world exploration. Uh, with quest hubs and centers that you construct as a player, you build these these areas, and once you unlock them, all of these players have, hey, can you help me find this research yeah. data, and maybe it'll open up this other area for you. It has a great MMO, very RPG kind of feel to it, and that is exactly what I want a Mass Effect game to be, and it's, it's delivering on that for me. Let me ask you this question. Yeah. So if Horizon Zero Dawn is based on a, a couple of characters, has there ever been a game outside of the original Mass Effect series, where you care and you want to know more about each of these characters. Uncharted would be one of them. Sure. Where, but you don't get to like ask them questions. Like, But you care about the Uncharted characters as you're playing it. Yeah, but there's only three or four of them. Sure, really. but like they're like real characters and like real people. So like, No, it, I would it, put this more on a scale of a World of Warcraft caliber in the sense of there's so many protagonists and antagonists Throughout the lore of the game, but this do you is, really get to know them in Warcraft? Like in, in the Mass Effect games, you really get to know who these characters are, sure. whether or not you like them, whether or not you want to continue talking to them in order to get them into bed or whatever. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Well, to take your thought one step further, out uh, there is no other game where the decisions and the conversations you have directly impact. The game, pl- not the gameplay, but how the course of the game continues. I mean, there in a, are in a the, choose your own adventure fashion. There are the other Bioware games? Uh, Witcher oh, three sure. is apparently like Bioshock like that well. and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, no, no uh, uh, Dragon Age. Oh, Dragon Where, Age, absolutely, yeah. yeah, big time. I I love living in this world. I I get it that the reviews are bad. We'll get into that in our main story, sure. but um, I'll tell you what, I'm having a blast playing it. Hey, other big news came out this week that we teased at the beginning of the show. Uh, we yep. finally got some information and official launches on Destiny 2, and they did so with a poster the first day. That was leaked. 
that was that was leaked, yeah. and then they officially put up the thing. So what I want to talk about <clears throat> first before we talk about the Cade video is the poster, because Glenn, shout out to Glenn, and I had a big conversation about this. What do you see when you look at the poster? You see the tower or the last city burning mm-hmm. or smoldering in big smokestacks. So that says bad things for Bannerfall, for the tower itself. Possibly the Traveler. Well, the other thing in the picture is the completed Traveler. So it's no longer fragmented like Ah. the old Death Star. It's now a complete sphere. And I'm wondering uh, if that... I'm speculating that that has something to do with the story. So the one other thing that I've read online is that a lot of this is based... is going to be set in Saturn. And instead of having the commander, whatever they call the interface, with all the planets, everything is going to be on Saturn now. So we went to the rings to fight Dreadnought and Oryx. Yep. And then we explored the director. That's what it's called. So we're not going to have the director as a galaxy setup. Everything is going to be a single world with multiple continents, similar to like an Azeroth in World of Warcraft or something along those lines. Um, But you're going to have all of these different quest hubs. So what that tells me is that Maybe they're continuing to take advice or, or guidance from Blizzard and seeing a little bit more of this influence carry forward in not only the gameplay and the mechanics, but the actual layout of the world, the quest hubs, and all of those kinds of things. Because this also plays into the idea that we're going to lose the 12-person max instancing yeah. uh, in a single world, which I think dr- probably drove the decision to do multiple planets because you can only have, yep. because of the peer, peer-to-peer infrastructure that they have, but I think this whole doing everything on a single planet really makes this interesting, and I'm going to want to drive my Sparrow all over the place now. And it just reminds me of just how big the the rise of iron, or even go back to the Earth, uh, the what do they call it, the Russian territory or whatever it was, Cosmodrome. Just, Cosmodrome. How big that space was, and I can only imagine now how much bigger it's going to get. Maybe we get new vehicles. Maybe they bring in some bungee esque Halo stuff. Yeah, they could do like whatever the, they the want. Warhogs and yeah. the jeeps and all that. This could go all kinds of directions. So I'm really, really excited about this. I think a lot of the things that we've bitched about in the past are finally going to get unlocked. So yesterday, Age of Triumph launches, and that's basically them wrapping a bow on the the first Destiny game. Like here it is. Here's everything you get to do. You get to go do your Age of Triumph thing. The next day. Or the same day, they're like, "Here's uh, a, a glimpse into Destiny Two, and like it's it's like they've they, it's like they've taken Destiny One and like it's done. Here's the things you get to do for the next couple of months while you wait for Destiny Two. Here's Destiny Two. Here's the trailer coming, and then uh, in a couple of months at E3, they'll be like, "Here's the game. Here's your, your chance to play it." And I'm shocked that this game's coming out in September. Yes. And, and we're just now kind of, I mean, no six-month hype cycle. It's no, like three, it's, four months. Yeah, it's it's coming, and it's going to be here. And we're going to have gonna pre-orders be, probably July. And it's going to be huge. And like the whole like the whole mindset that we have of like the three-player or the six-player, you're right. I think we could get into like the 12-player and like the big like... Super raids. Yeah. And if they if they really take the a lot of the auto-scaling uh, architectures and stuff that Blizzard has implemented for World of Warcraft into mind and start doing some of... What if they do a 25-person raid? On this massive super boss, sure. right? I, I could totally see where that's coming into play, and then you have to start to thinking about uh, raid structure, team structure. Mm-hmm. You have X number of healers, or yeah. or uh, you know warlocks that have self reses and things like that, and all of that stuff starts coming into play. This that really excites me because we haven't had an MMORPG on consoles yet. Yeah. And Destiny is probably the closest that we've gotten to that. The other thing to think about, last thing we'll say about this, we've been talking about it a while, mm. is. 
the fact that that one Cade Six like uh, trailer thing that they showed us, it tells me that they're getting into like the characters again. Mm-hmm. Where we had that in Taken King, and then we did the whole like year and like Rise of Iron, and like the Rise of Iron had did really nothing for the characters. But like the thing that people talk about the most is the Cade Six characters and and Zavala, and like we got a real glimpse into those characters. So if we get into that more like character development like story thing like that we've always wanted in destiny and if they do that in this game because i know they've heard everybody it's going to be great yeah i think in uh rise of iron we got the lord toss salad or whatever his name is <laughs> Saladin, uh, yeah. lord saladin uh we got a lot of that backstory intro stuff on on his knights or whatever they're called yeah for one cutscene, yeah, but that was, one big cutscene. but it didn't further the overall story i think now we're yeah. going to finally further the overall story absolutely i, I think it's going to be fantastic i'm interested to see how the speaker plays out mm-hmm. how the traveler comes into it traveler could be a bad guy we yeah. don't know uh, he could be bad for everybody you know we'll he see. could be the one uh, leading the defeat of the tower or the last city yeah yet he you never know so i think this is going to be fantastic uh, I'm excited to get back into Destiny with some some good content again. Really enjoy. We have to remember we've been playing that game for two or three years. Three years, yeah. It, it'll it'll be. When was the last console game you played for? Just say more than a year. None. I, ever. None. I don't think I've ever played one for more than maybe Final Fantasy Seven. Going way back. It didn't take you three years to beat it. That was no, one but game. I mean, you just but it wasn't a continuing it. like thing. Right. So, yeah. Right. So, I, I think uh, this could continue another trend of just more Destiny for many years to come. And I'm really excited about that. You have to wonder if the PS4 exclusive stuff is going to happen on Destiny like it is now. Because that's a big thing. It is. With the whole PS4 exclusivity versus like the Xbox One exclusivity. And by that, I mean... Think of the exclusive games that are with PS4 versus Xbox One right now. Because right now, PlayStation is killing it. Horizon Zero Dawn. Uncharted. Uncharted. Um, Uncharted was, was was a while ago. Well, let's like, do the easier side of it. What has Xbox had? They've had like Forza, Halo, yeah. Wars, and Halo 5, which they're have eventu- all flopped. They're eventually going to have Sea of Thieves. They had this big uh, uh, scale-bound game that they were supposed to release, but that, that got shelved. That's done. Yeah. Um, so We talked about this a, few, a couple of months ago, I believe, on an episode where we went... We went down this whole thing of how we hated exclusive titles and how that was bad for the market. Well, apparently they didn't listen to that episode because they're still doing it. And what's happening is PS4 is winning. They're wiping the floor with Xbox because exclusive titles still matter. Yeah. And they still sell consoles. Look at Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo just launched essentially with one game. You basically bought a $360 Zelda game. Yes. I did. Yes. Down the road... who knows? Six months or a year from now, you're going to get more games. But I can remember when the original—I think the original Xbox launched, and it only had like four or five games. Yeah, but it had Halo. But it had Halo. So my point here is that it's still relevant. I thought we were done with this exclusive title shit. Maybe with Uncharted being one of the last ones. Yeah. But then we see Horizon Zero Dawn come out as an exclusive. Mm-hmm. I I they've want got, that to be done. They've and got got a war in the pipeline. You know, I mean, that's coming. Yeah. There's even more. So who knows where this is going to go. I think it's going to continue to behoove PS4. We're going to continue to see this controversy play out. And and frankly, you know, I, I, I put a little bit of the blame of this on the publishers for being a little bit greedy and maybe getting a little bit extra for being an exclusive title. Something along those lines. But I, there's no reason to do this stuff anymore, guys. It, there's no reason that you can't just make it for both systems equally. Uh, getting paid a little bit more money per game sold isn't worth alienating a fan base or cornering everybody into a monopoly of a single 
game system is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, we did talk about exclusivity, so we have to talk about Nintendo. They actually came out and acknowledged the fact that the Joy-Con issue is a real deal. Uh, so the left Joy-Con, they've had trouble with it, like connecting or something like that, right? They have admitted that it's a manufacturing variation, and it's missing a piece of foam that will cause the Joy-Con to disconnect wirelessly at some point. Yeah, so the guy that figured this out bought an extra Joy-Con off of Amazon. And the one that he actually cracked both of them open, and he noticed that that piece of foam was missing out of the one that he got from his console. Huh. The one from Amazon had the foam in it. Right, so the new, so they've corrected the manufacturing variation. Those are words that Nintendo used. Basically, they messed up and didn't put this, put it in the spec or whatever. So that's all fixed. Uh, and if you do have one of those that is having a disconnect problem, if you call Nintendo support, apparently they'll turn it around and send you a new one or fix it in a week. Yeah, that's so pretty cool. Good for them. Good on them to to do that kind of stuff. Look, shit happens. Uh, you know. Manufacturing problems happen, and the, good on them for fixing it and turning it around in a week. It could have been like six weeks. They're still expecting uh, their their speculation is that the Switch will sell 20 million units in this first year, perhaps 110 million lifetime. Yeah, this was the CEO of Nintendo coming out. Reggie Phil's Amy or whatever that guy's no, name? No, Takaha- oh. Takahami, oh. I think is his name. The real guy. The, the, the guy. Uh, basically, this is his goals and expectations for sales of the console. And he says within the first year of its life, he expects it to sell 20 million units, potentially over 110 million over its lifetime, which would put it above bore, above the Wii, which is one of the, which yeah. is their highest selling one at this point. Um, that would put it up above that, those numbers. So that's, that's pretty ambitious. Um, I think you've got to have more games. I think the success of the Wii was really based around a lot of the Miis and the native games that were with the console. It's the Wii Sports thing. That was the exactly. gram- grandma could bowl in your living room. Yes. That, that was it. But we, we don't have that. We have a, we have a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. And while that's good, I don't think they sold one. I think what was it? He said something like 94% of people that bought a Switch bought Zelda. Yeah. I think that was the number that I heard. Yeah. And that makes sense because what else, the hell else are you going to play? Exactly. <laughs> That's, I think there's three games We out have the one-two-switch game, and that, that game is a big hit with my kids. That Honestly, that game is, is the game that gets the most play in my house. I still have not even... Yeah, well... it's Well, we they, they're not going to play Zelda, are they? Uh, Emily likes Zelda. My oh, okay. oldest likes Zelda, but... But she'd rather play the Switch game because it's more of like a I get to play with Daddy and I you know like Zelda's a one player experience yeah. so oh, the party it. game that they have that's comparable not even close to Wii Sports would be the uh, the one two Switch game yeah so you remember a few months ago we, we we were all hyped about Super Mario Run and we really loved it and it was fantastic and I've had a blast I got to be honest I haven't touched it since me neither. Um, so some news came out. Uh, we, we did talk about some numbers in a previous episode, I remember, but uh, Nintendo revealed that only 5% of people that downloaded Super Mario Run actually paid the $10 wow. to purchase it. And I sat there going, wow. I think, and here's why. There is a very distinct methodology to freemium mm-hmm. gaming, right? It is, first of all, the first mistake they made was putting a cap on the amount of money that your whales could dump into the game. Right. It is uh, a trial and then an all-in $10 fee. What they should have done is do some in-app purchase thing where to unlock another level, you get a, you pay an extra dollar. Sure. And that could go on endlessly until you do that. Because you when you're doing freemium stuff or in-app purchases, you can't cap 
the amount of money that somebody could potentially spend within your game. Yeah. With that said, I think they made a mistake of marking it up to be too high of a price tag. I think if you had put this game out there for one ninety nine, you would have sold eighty percent of how, the people that. Or how many levels it. are there? Eight or eight? Right. Yeah. So let's say a dollar a level. Sure. Yeah, a dollar a world. I sure. guess in Mario terms. Yeah. Do you want to keep playing? You want to play uh, World three point one or three dash one? Yeah. Ninety nine cents. You want to play four dash one? Ninety nine cents. Yeah. Or much, the, the entire much, world. Much right. easier much easier to, to consume or to, to think like, oh, I'll just spend a dollar. You want to dress up your kingdom like The Sims? Here's yeah. all the stuff for mm-hmm. like 50 cents and all this. So that's the thing. The fact that they put it out there for a flat $10, I think, was a big misstep to, just to unlock everything. And people didn't see the allure or just enough to get them in and get a taste and then continue to buy stuff after that. The the paywall was the brick wall that they hit was just only doing the first world and then you got to pay ten dollars or you get nothing else and it was just a big misstep. Speaking of brick walls, uh, there's a bunch of brick walls coming down. In fact, 150 brick walls times four uh. because a bunch of GameStop stores are going to close down. Just like we predicted. We've been saying this for months. Right? GameStop is, is after the holiday season, they've realized they now need to, to close down 150 stores in the United States. No, this is worldwide. It's, it's oh, not worldwide. the United States. It is, it is worldwide. Uh, look, guys, we, we've been speculating on the beginning of the end happening uh, to GameStop due to you know physical media versus digital downloads. Well, it's real now. When they announced that they're going to close stores at the quantity of 150 stores, let's just say that they have 2,000 to 3,000 stores, maybe, okay. optimistically worldwide. That's that's still a pretty big chunk. And what we're seeing here now manifest itself is this is the true beginning of the end. Those of us that have been around it for the last 10 or 15 years have seen this exact same thing play out with Blockbuster Video. And they held on, and they tried to do their own Netflix-style disc rental. But it was too late. And then they tried Blockbuster Streaming, and by that point, it was just way too late. Netflix had taken over. So uh, I'm sorry to say, guys, this is the beginning of the end for GameStop. Unless they pull off some miracle pivot and figure out how to go do what Amazon is doing by selling 20% off digital coupon codes. Yeah. That's really all they're doing, right? Unless they figure out how to do something like that, which we've talked about at length on other episodes, I, I think they're done. I think we've seen the, the end of GameStop at this point. Well, the other thing Amazon is doing is now they're starting to sell games within their Twitch app. Yeah. Ooh, well, this one. Well, okay. So let's, Twitch. Let's people, clarify this right. a little bit. So people don't know a lot of. Okay, Twitch is a big like streaming game thing. Sure. But a lot of people don't know that that Twitch is actually owned by Amazon. Mm-hmm. So Twitch was acquired by Amazon a eh, couple of years ago now, I guess. But it still remained all of its own branding. That Amazon hasn't really interfered or whatever. So what we're gonna get now, and this snuck up on me this week. I didn't me really too. see this. Uh, I didn't see this coming at all. Twitch is now going to begin selling games, digital games and downloads within the Twitch app. Yeah. So on your mobile, on your desktop or on your mobile, you'll be able to, there's, there's going to be a store, right? When you purchase these digital games, much like how you do in Steam, yeah. you can choose which platform you're going to download them to. And when you purchase a game, you're going to get a Twitch crate. This is going to be, for those of you that are familiar with Twitch, you know that you can pay money to get special emotes 
or you know, it's a Twitch emoji is what right. it is. We would never do it, but some people like sure, it. Sure, a lot of people do it, and you know, we've talked in the past about those how they're going to do branded advertising and things like that, where yep. you can hold messages. Yep. Yep. All of that stuff is going to come into play. So now you combine all of these forces together, the power of Amazon uh, built into a streaming platform that is arguably the most well known and most used. And at the same time, you're also one of the acquisitions people forget about is that Twitch purchased the most popular game management client app called Curse, the Curse client. That's all also getting a complete rebrand into the Twitch app, which is going to be a game manager much like Steam is. So you'll be able to manage all of your content, all of the add-ons that go with each of those games and for what platform they're on, and even potentially buy more or watch people that are streaming that game. They've figured out a way to snowball it all together, and I'm I'm dying to see what this looks like when they launch it. Now, for right now, this isn't to say you can buy like Grand Theft Auto on Twitch. No. But these are like the indie games that are very popular, like your Witness or your Firewatch or the other games that are these big uh, title and uh, indie games that like they don't have like a home on PS4 or Xbox One, but... You can get them, or like I, I would imagine, maybe Rocket League would be there, or, sure. or something like that. But again, this is another way to buy games. Absolutely, and the, one of the other big takeaways for me from this piece was um, they're also going to leverage their partnered streamers. So, for those of you, I know we have a few streamers that listen to the show. Yep. For those of you that are Twitch partners, um, if you play these games and stream them being played, and someone buys that game that you're playing, you take home five or ten percent royalty or affiliate uh, value. For the purchase of that game. So that's another great way for them to kind of natively market the games that they're trying to sell is by having the people or their partners play those games and stream them live for everybody. Yeah, instead of like, instead of like, hey, do you like that game that guy's playing right now? Go to the Xbox store or the PlayStation store and buy it. It'll just be a buy it and then you'll just have it. Because again, the Twitch app can be inherent in the PS4 or the Xbox. You'll be watching it through that. You know, a lot of the reasons that people watch Twitch uh, that I'm aware of is not only to interact with people that they like to follow, but to get a sneak peek at games that they want to see if they're going to like it or not. Right. Um, and, and that's just one way that people kind of get an impression of something, whether it's a game or a movie or something like that. It's a weird, in a weird way, it's kind of like a trailer or a, a glance at something before you want to invest in it. Yeah. And I think this really ties into our main story tonight in a sense of. We're calling this episode under review because while this is kind of exactly what we do, um, we want to talk about and address the the, the purveyance of, of early reviews of titles of things, uh, especially in the world of entertainment. And I think video games and movies specifically fall into this this area where we have... These reviews that come out early, people are given early access to games, whether that's streamers, uh, PewDiePie of the world or something is showing that, getting paid to preview it early on or, YouTube. Or major news outlets. Or major news outlets, sure. The you know the, the media, if we want to include the Mashables and, and Gadgets and IGNs and those guys. Or the flip side of that is the movie side of the world, the Varieties and Hollywood Reporters and uh, Ain't It Cool News and all those guys that cover movies. Um Look, it's a big market, and and we understand that there's that's a way to drive readership. Everybody wants to be on the pulse of of what's coming and how a movie's going to do, and does it suck or not? And we know these people have early access, so we'll see if we want to invest money before we go. There's a trend, though, that you know, let's take a step back. This was spawned by a couple of things that happened over the last couple of weeks. Yep. 
Uh, the first one that I want to address is a man by the name of Brett Ratner. You might not know that name specifically, but you probably know a lot of the movies that he's either produced or exec produced or been heavily involved with. A lot of the the X Men movies you might uh, have heard just just X Men Three he directed, which everybody hates. Uh, okay, fine. But you might have heard of Rat Pack Entertainment. Look, he doesn't have the best reputation in Hollywood. No. All credit to him. He's made enough money at this point to not yep. give a shit what reviewers really have to say because he's getting projects made in Hollywood. He did the first two Rush Hours. I mean, those fine. are good movies. Those are fine movies. He came out this week or at the Sun Valley Film Festival and said he hates Rotten Tomatoes because it's destroying the film industry. And I just went, whoa, hang on. First of all, it's the internet. Everybody's got an opinion, and everybody's going to type it out and say it. So you have to take that with a grain of salt that it is. Well, that's right? what he's saying. That's why, it, yeah. Uh, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying to the people that read reviews. To those of you writing reviews, look, I'm going to bitch at you for a second because I don't. you need to understand the power that you have to make or break the success of a thing, something that people have spent years on. So, Variety, when you come out with your reviews on Tuesday saying that a movie is going to tank at the box office this weekend before it ever gets to the opening night on that Friday night, that's, a, that's bad form. You need to let people make their own judgments and their own opinions. And if you want to give a review of something, you need to at least wait until at least a group of people have seen it for a weekend. So... My take on Brett Ratner's comments... I disagree with that, but okay, go ahead. Let me finish my thought, This because this directly circles back. Brett Ratner's comment on Rotten Tomatoes is is not fair because it is an aggregator site of many reviews across anybody from as simple as a keyboard warrior saying something as simple as LOL, that sucked, to a professional film critic giving a long-form, detailed review of how what they thought of the movie. Rotten Tomatoes is nothing more than a meta score of all of those reviews across the board. And to get a really bad score, you got to have a combined lot of bad reviews from both of those sets of people. Rotten Tomatoes and their staff are not out there writing reviews and shitting all over your movies. And I think you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, IGN, any of those sites that are out there doing these kinds of scoring is really all about. Okay, I agree with you on, on some of that. I, I, do, I, I don't agree with you on the they need to wait and see what the group of people think about it before they do their review. I think for a variety or even, even LOL, that sucks guy, they can watch a movie and then they say what they want to say and that's whatever. I think it's up to us as a consumer to either ignore that or to say, um... Well, uh, Batman v Superman, I'm going to go see it, even though they say it's terrible. Suicide Squad, I didn't go see it in a theater because of those reviews. That's, that's an exactly. example that we've heard on this show that we've done, and I didn't go see it because of this. And I didn't like what they said about it, and it's like, it's probably that bad. I, I went from your word of mouth review as well, and I didn't go see it in a theater. I didn't rush out to see a DC movie. I'm the DC guy. I love DC, right? Um do I give Batman v Superman a 28% or whatever the hell the Rotten Tomato score of that movie is? No. I liked Batman v Superman for what it is. It gave me two hours of, and I had my problems with it. I didn't care what the reviewers said about it. I didn't care what the reviewers said about episode two of Star Wars. I went and saw it and I've seen it a million times. Yeah. It's all about like what you like. So, but for something like, let's, for, for something much more current and topical. So I, re, let's, let's take this into a real story. 
on March 21st in the morning, the day that Mass Effect came out, a bunch there was a Mashable article that came out and it said, Mass Effect is terrible, 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 terrible. Look at all these things. They took certain quotes from a bunch of different things, right? And I and I remember texting you that morning like, uh-oh. Do you remember that? Yep. Like, uh-oh, oh no, oh no. This movie, this game that we were so excited about. Oh no, oh no, oh no. It's going to be like in my head, it's like, oh no, it's another No Man's Sky, right? But then later in the day, this article came out and this article came out and it's, it's, it's as simple as like, well, I want to watch or read the news or whatever that I like that, it, that it agrees with what, and again, we don't even touch this game yet. Right. And then the game came out, you got it, I got it. And we started playing it. And then it was just like, all right, let's just, whatever. And we played it and we liked it. Now that game could have been terrible. Mm-hmm. That game could have been like, we hate it. We hate it. We hate it. We've talked about this earlier in this show about how we do like it and how, yes, it has its little flaws, but some people, some reviewers of let's say there's ten reviewers, right? Yep. Let's say seven of those reviewers are like, ah, terrible because it's got bad facial animations and this. So that if they give it a bad review, if seven of ten people give it a bad review, guess what the Rotten Tomato score is? Thirty percent. Sure. But here's the thing though. Critical bias is a real thing. It stopped you from going to see a DC movie in the theater. Yeah. Because you allowed somebody else to put an impression on you, therefore, regardless, let's let's put but aside. It, but the, in that case, they were right. They let's were. Put that they aside were. And for I went and watched it, and they were right. Let's put that aside for a second. Fine. It directly affected the the success or failure of that film without you even seeing it, which it was a success despite all of that. Arguably, sure, box office financial yeah, it success. Was. It was, but. The, the biggest DC movie fan, DC Universe fan that I know, did not go see a DC movie because I told him it sucked, and he read a re- reviews and Rotten Tomatoes that it sucked. That that is unfathomable. I can't make that math work in my head. Where and he I wouldn't saw, just give all yeah, of us the finger. Yeah. And I saw and Green go Lantern. And I saw all those movies that people hate, and like you know, like I, and Watchmen, and like I like certain things about each one. But that was the one movie of DC Universe that I didn't go out and see. I've had people tell me they hate Rogue One. That's and I'm like, you know, and the, and that they love Suicide Squad. And I'm just like, you know what? It's subjective opinion. Yeah. So the point I guess I want to come back to here is that you have to understand as a consumer of consumables that critical bias is a real thing. And if you allow people to influence your decisions before it's even available to you, you're going to go into it. Even when you go see it or you get that game, you're going to go into it with that little nugget in your head of what they impressed upon you as their opinion. And that is bad. You can't do that. Okay, here's the flip side of that. So the other thing is, uh, for the game side, for movies, this doesn't happen because movies are made and you get the the advanced reviews because that's a part of the business. For a game that we've we've spoken at length on, No Man's Sky being as terrible as it is, they did not release that game to any reviewers until that game was out. There was no like, oh, go, and then there's an embargo until like this comes out, right? So they 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 did all the pre order things. So there's a weird like um, maybe maybe if we don't tell them that it's bad or don't release it, they'll people will buy it and then they'll say it's bad. Ah, we made our money. Doesn't work like that in the movie side, right? Doesn't work like that necessarily in the TV side because TV's it's already made. It's out there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So what does that mean? And by that I mean as consumers, if if we play the review game, does that mean like if we haven't seen a review for a game? 
uh, like before it comes out that we should be worried about it. Can you? We're staring at each other right of now. We are. Can you look me in the eye and tell me that if if it got bad reviews, that you would not have bought No Man's Sky? No, no, I can't tell you that because we would have bought it anyway. Yeah, because because of everything they showed us in a preview, just like they would for a movie. Sure. If there were things in it that I thought I would like to regard, like Warcraft is a perfect example for you, right? Warcraft was killed by the critics, but you love that movie, and I like that movie. It's not my favorite movie, but I don't think it deserved the critical uh, uh, shellacking that it got. No, I don't. You know either. what I mean? It just it depends on what you like. So I guess what we're getting at is. How much of the review process? Now, this is you and I because we're we're sort of in tune with what we're talking about. Right. But how much of the review process actually affects Joe Lunchbox that says like, "Oh, I'm not going to take my family to go see that movie," or "I'm not going to do that," or how much of it is, "Hey, this weekend, like last weekend, Life came out the 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 Ryan Reynolds, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Did you want to go see that in the theater? Not at all. Did I? No. No, I didn't. Well, I I've kind of lived not by, because of bad reviews, but because of the preview I saw. Well, it, does not that even, make sense? Do you see what I'm getting that. at? Do you see what I'm getting I, at? I get what you're getting so, at. Is there is there is there a like a fine line between marketing and reviews? Well, well two two things. One, uh, I'll I'll address what you said by saying that reviews should never be a decision maker for an individual as to whether or not you should play a game or see a film. You need to make that decision on your own. Otherwise, you are subject to critical bias. You are being subjected to critical bias, and you are allowing someone else to determine whether or not you will like or dislike a thing. Right? That's that's, that's lazy, in the, my opinion. Exactly. That's you should. If you are having a, a Sunday movie day and you say, "I want to go see that film," the last thing you should do is pull up a thing and read Mashable reviews on it. Go see a thing. And come out with your own review. If you're that worried about ten bucks or fifteen bucks or whatever it costs you to go see a movie, you really shouldn't be going to the movies. Wait for the disc. But um, the other part of that is I love commentary style reviews in the sense of that are in depth that walk you through the good things and the bad things of a game that are breakdowns of all of that stuff. I love seeing that because there's effort put into those. You know, I am. I appreciate traditional film reviews in the sense that they are critical, and the this fast food one or two minute reviews on YouTube are just kind of useless to me. So on the on the flip side, again, I will tell you this one thing. So this game that you just beat, that you gave rave reviews yourself about, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, all we knew about that game going into it was. And we'd seen some previews and stuff. This wasn't a universal. It wasn't DC Universe. It wasn't Uncharted. It wasn't Mass Effect. It was a new property. And all we saw was like a, a girl with a bow and arrow shooting at robot dinosaurs, right? And that game came out a couple of weeks ago, like a month ago, right? And and I I went to the review sites to find out like what's this game all about? What are the reviewers saying? Now this is this is the the opposite of what we've just said. And all the reviewers were like 9.3, 9.5, amazing game, amazing game. I'm like, okay, and then I chose to buy it. I believe you were the same way, yes? Not exactly. Okay. Were I, you were you automatically like, it's a PlayStation exclusive, I'm going to get it? Or? No. My thought process is, that looks cool, I'm going to play that game. I'll take what the reviewers have to say with a grain of salt, but I'm going to make my own damn opinion. Okay. I'm going to have my own impression of it. Because I, I don't know, 90% of the time, I don't agree with them. If I'm being completely honest. Okay. So, yes, all 
if the game looks cool, I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to play it. No Man's Sky is a great example of that. It looked cool. We got sold. We were sold a badass dinosaur planet Roman yeah. space ex- yeah. adventure. It sucked. And I, God, we're still talking about fucking No Man's Sky Sorry. six, eight months later. Sorry. <laughs> but that is a great example uh, of this kind of stuff. And I want to make it clear. Our reviews are, I, I say the same thing. Our, my, I hope everybody appreciated what I had to say about Horizon Zero Dawn, but that you had already made up your mind whether or not you were going to get that game. Yeah. I knew June of last year at E3, 2016, that I was going to buy Horizon Zero Dawn the minute it came out because I was in. Yeah. Girls shooting bow and in, tribal looking girls shooting bow and arrows at robots. I'm in. There's no telling what kind of story that could be. It's going to be awesome. But sometimes, just like any movie or any TV show, it's just because something looks cool and then you go see it or you go play it. It might not be. So sometimes it's it's a luck of the draw. What we're getting at in this sort of story is you can go to the reviews for something you're not quite sure of and you could go try it. And if you spend the money on it, whether it's a movie, whether it's a game, you might like it, you might not. But at the end of the day... Uh, you can just like the things you like and go play it. And yeah. if you don't like it, you don't like it. And maybe you lost. Maybe you bought a, a car that was a lemon, right? Yeah. But all we're trying to get at with this is take reviews with a grain of salt. Yes. Remember the old adage, opinions are like assholes? Yes. They Every- all stink. Everybody's got one. Everybody's got one. Look, that's really what this comes down to, in my opinion. Uh, they are simply opinions. Everything is subjective to likes and dislikes and individuals and take it for what it is. Do not take any reviews as gospel ever. You are entitled to your own opinion. Just because somebody else doesn't like it doesn't mean you're not going to like it. I'm sure there's people out there that hated Horizon Dawn. I, how, how dare they make a game with a girl protagonist? I'm sure those people exist. But at the same time, there's people that absolutely love that game. One last thing. Yeah. People listen to this show yes. to hear what we think about those certain games or absolutely. movies. Absolutely. And maybe our opinion might influence them. I will tell you this. If you listen to our show and if you like the stuff that we like, the reason you're listening is because we're going to tell you. So you have to not listen to all that stuff or read all that other stuff, what we actually like. And if you like the stuff that you're hearing on this show and if you like the stuff that we like on this show, odds are if we give it a good review... You're going to have a good like time. Yeah. yeah. And that's it for the under-review thing. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I there are several reviewers that I do watch. They're religiously on YouTube. Uh, Mark Kermode is, is an example of that over on BBC. Um, uh, Richard Roper in uh, Chicago. I do watch him every now and then. I hate his reviews, but I still watch him. Look, again, I take those with a grain of salt myself for content that I'm going to see. And I would suggest that everybody else out there do the same thing. All right, moving on to fun stuff. And speaking of a grain of salt, there's a lot of salt in <laughs> McDonald's food, right? Uh, I think. There definitely there's a lot is. of stuff that we is. don't really know there's is in a, there. There definitely is a lot of salt, <laughs> no matter what chemicals are in there. Sodium is one of the biggest ones. Okay. So, Japan, our old friends in Japan who gave us Sony and who gave us Horizon Zero Dawn. And Nintendo. Right? Yeah. They are killing the quarter pounder with cheese. Huh? They're done with it. They're done with the quarter pounder with cheese. How very un-American. And, how very un-Western. And of first this. of all, aren't they on the metric system? There is no pound over there, right? Royale with cheese. No, wait, that's the measurement. Wait, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. That's France, yeah. So, not because it... Wait, what's the story? It's not because it's been performing poorly? Right. 
The the quote from McDonald's of Japan was that they were quote revamping the lineup. Okay, uh, I'm assuming that has to do with menu items. I, I I I can't imagine that maybe second only to the Big Mac, you're removing the top selling item of McDonald's to revamp the brand. How is this even possible? I, I don't understand. It's funny that you bring up the Big Mac because I read also this week that McDonald's is going to start selling sauces in stores, including the Big Mac special sauce. Uh, there's, so what are these, like the nugget dipping sauces? I, I, I wish because the hot mustard is fantastic. Oh, it is, yeah. I even or, like the barbecue. Yeah, barbecue is great. Barbecue with the yeah. fries, so good. God, you know you what? Could, that you actually, could put, you know you what? Could put now, Big Mac sauce on just about anything. Time though. out. Let, that actually brings us to our lightning round. All right, here it is. We've just been talking about McDonald's. Name as many items as you can on the McDonald's oh, menu. God. Go! <laughs> uh, Big Mac, yep. quarter pounder, yep. except Japan, double quarter pounder. <laughs> the What's the bacon chicken ranch thing? They've got the club sandwich chicken. I, I don't know. Uh, the egg McMuffin. The, the egg, McChicken. The McChicken, I yes. I love the it's 99 on the dollar menu. Yeah, yep. Yep. The McDouble's there. That was a staple of my teenage life. Yep, the hot fudge Sunday that they have, yes. the, uh, the Shamrock Shake, which Shamrock. I actually bought for my daughter this weekend. How was it? Was it good? I didn't try it, yeah, but, okay. uh, you know. Probably extremely sugary. Yeah. Uh, the fries. We can't not say the fries. Yeah. They're, they are an item on their own. Uh, McGriddles. Ooh, the McGriddle. The hot cakes. How can we not say the McRib? Oh, the McRib, because it's only Chomp. once a year. <laughs> uh, let's see what else they've got salads now at mcdonald's well, toss, it is, toss salads yep, it, uh, it is it is it is it is lent so we should say filet of fish yes uh, <laughs> is it the filet of fish or is it mcfish or no it's a filet of fish still cheesy i don't know i'm okay. sure they'll sell that tartar sauce i will say to close out the lightning round i will say that i'm very pissed off that they ditched the bacon mcdouble i don't remember that okay so they, I, do you remember the, the mcpizza they've got on the dollar menu they got a mcdouble I don't remember the McPizza. They've got the McDouble, and then for a while, for an extra 50 cents or something, they did a bacon McDouble, and it was so good. I ate so many of those fucking Do you things. remember the McDLT, like the white like uh, uh, like styrofoam thing that they had, and like, like half of it was the, the bacon, lettuce, tomato, and half of it was the bun? You could like put... Uh, it's a long story. Uh, no, I don't remember that at the all. The Happy Meal. I mean, come on. Who oh, didn't oh like the God, toy, the Happy, Happy Meal. Yeah. Yes. Toy, Monopoly game. I know we're getting off food items. but Sure, but yeah. What, what is McDonald's known for? Uh, McRibs and yeah. Big Macs and Quarter yeah. Pounders and Monopoly. Oh, exactly. And Happy Meals. That's yeah. what else? And Play Place. Uh, toy, whatever. <laughs> slides. There's one by my house, but it's just full of bacteria. Oh, goodness. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, it's good to be back. Hate that we missed a week, but I hope you enjoyed this little bit of an extended version of the show just to cover many topics over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we didn't even get into tech this oh, week. Oh, man. There was just so much to talk about in TV and movies. There was a few things in tech, but we just, we're going to save those for another time or, I don't know, maybe a new show in we'll the see. future. We'll, we'll see. see. As always, I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over at Data Center Dude on Twitter. I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at Andy Nelson76 on Twitter. I will be spending Sunday watching WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the Hall of Fame induction ceremony as well yeah. on Saturday. Kurt Angle. We've also getting Teddy Long. Lots mm-hmm. of guys going in there. I know we haven't talked about WWE in a long time, but That's all right. this is arguably the biggest week of the year for wrestling fans. All for, starting on Monday all the way through uh, all of the Raw and, and SmackDown shows. We've got NXT. We've got Cruiserweights, 205 Live, 
Uh, all the podcasts and everything are just absolutely going nuts and blowing it off the charts this week. So if you are a wrestling fan, I know there's a few of you out there listening. Have a blast this weekend. Enjoy WrestleMania. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.